Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. Today on the show, I had Benny Hakak, the founder and CEO of Liquid Apps and Liquid EOS, a lock producer of EOS. The problem with blockchains today and Bitcoin and all form of crypto tokens and everything that we do is that they're all silos. They all have their own communities. They work within their own ecosystem and it all works with each other. But at the end of the day, we don't want to have all these little pies. We want to have one pie together. So he's figured out a way to make all blockchains work together without sacrificing decentralization and without sacrificing having these centralized choke points. How? How do we do that with things like oracles and things like that? We talked about that. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by BitPay. Stick around for more info about them later in the episode. Untold Stories would not be here without the amazing media company Blockworks Group. Last year, we set out to build this show from the ground up together. They're a media company with over 20 podcasts. And for access to all their premier webinars and other amazing shows that they produce in their network, Check them out at blockworksgroup.io. That's blockworksgroup.io. And I promise you will not be disappointed. Benny Hakak, how are you? Doing fine, you know, uh, all the corona around. I think uh, it's as good as it can be. Well, like, if we were talking a few weeks ago... um, we would be talking about, you know, liquid apps or we'd be talking about a different, and we, we still will talk about those things. But, um, I guess I always like to start these shows off with, um, how has your life changed in the past two months? Wow. That's a good, good question. Yeah, it's a very, de- <laughs> you know, <laughs> take it away. Answer it how, how you want to. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I'd say that, uh, not seeing our parents is probably, one of the major changes that happened on the personal level, um, having to think about how they're doing and um, how can we help them since they cannot leave the house. Uh, my parents are uh, in the in the danger danger zone, if you will. Um, but uh, other than that, when it comes to uh, the work that we do on a day to day on Liquid Apps. Um, we, it, 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 it splits, splits into two because on the one hand, we are a distributed team. Uh, we have uh, team members all over the world. So all of our work, our day-to-day work was actually aligned with uh, working from home. Are your parents close, like physically close to you right now, but it's just that you can't see them? Actually, they're uh, an hour and a half away, which sounds like it's close. But in Israel, it's, it's, it's <laughs> you may you no, may. No, that's the whole country right there. <laughs> Four hours is the whole country, so basically one third. Um, you know, I've walked across Israel. Really, I did Yam Liam when I was like nineteen years old. Yam to Yam is good. Yam to Yam. How long was it? Three days? Four days? It took me like four days. Yeah, it took me four so days. I don't to know walk if from. All, all of the listeners know that, but yeah. Think about it. Four days from one side of the country to the other side. <laughs> yeah, it's probably amazing for most. No, it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Do you think like we'll be able to have experiences like that? You know, the the world will open up, but I feel like um, people have changed in the past few weeks. You know, I think so. You know, my my, my wife is actually pregnant. 
Uh, and uh, oh, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and having like uh, her pregnant in this time actually brings a lot more of like a new set of concerns. <laughs> you know, how do you go to a doctor right now? How do you make sure that uh, no one in the vicinity of this doctor has corona? Uh, how do you get the best mask? So when you have to get out of the house, uh, you're as protected as it can be. Um, so that's another angle. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think life has changed. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to you from uh, basically the uh, dining room <laughs> where my new office is. Do you think, do you think, you know, people's wants and needs have changed in terms of the products and the services that we're offering them? You know, it could be as simple as a bagel or as complicated as something like financial services. Um, is there something I, that you were potentially designing back in December that now you may want to rethink twice on? I think uh, I can definitely say yes. Um, a lot of my friends and us included uh, need to rethink the strategy that we take right now. I think that uh, uh, a lot of the products that were aimed for, uh, uh, let's say, corporates, for example. Um, if you're innovative and you're um, as innovative as, as, as corporate can be, uh, I know that a lot of a lot of them actually were cut big chunks of the budgets that go to a new technology. So uh, really? product, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, it's it's because of this uncertainty. Uh, I don't think that uh, it's gonna. Is it just a temporary way. uncertainty? Yes, yes, yes. It's not gonna be staying that way for uh, uh, the sh long term, but on the short term, think about startups that had uh, contracts out um, ready to sign. And I know that corporates, um, I don't want to say uh, names too much, but uh, just, uh, you know, put them on hold from now because they don't know when the situation is going to change. Um, uh, what is the world going to look like afterwards? But, you know, at the same time, innovation is uh, uh, striking at our doorstep knowing that everybody is working from home so a lot of new elements need to be happening right now we need so much more new technology um when it comes to collaboration within organizations you know people that uh, unlike us were not used to work from home how are they going to collaborate zoom is not enough you saw the zoom stock going sky high uh and the Zoom technology one, which was a pretty funny story one day. Um, you, you saw that? What's the story? People uh, saw that Zoom uh, is becoming like the application of uh, uh, the Corona times. Um, so they and thought it's gotten about, better. It, it is. It is. It has gotten better. Uh, uh, the, 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 I'm using it for the last two years um, or so during my day to day. Uh, now my parents use it, uh, <laughs> and I think many other uh, uh, families do. The funny thing about this is people wanted to invest in the company and buy of stocks of Zoom, and they accidentally bought stocks of a different Zoom company. Um, and so much so that they had to stop the trade of the <laughs> other Zoom company. 
I know it's crazy how that happened because of the, the stock was different. Yes. The stock was different. And, uh, uh, I, I'm, I just can't, I just can can't imagine the board, um, the board of directors, uh, you know, the day after, why did our stock <laughs> skyrocketed? Oh, it's because uh, the other Zoom company. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's go back to the beginning. Um, you started uh, your crypto uh, adventure working, uh, you know, working as the director of operations at Bancor, um, mm-hmm. and previously you also uh, worked at at Ernst and Young, and you were a manager at Geek Time. Tell us about those experiences. What are those What are those those companies doing? What did you take from each experience that um, is allowing you to be the CEO of your company today? Like what gives you that confidence and the mistakes that you made along the way? Well, um, so I'll, I'll start with actually a, a little earlier than that. Uh, I finished my uh, degree uh, engineer, uh, kind of uh, thinking about the next step. And uh, I said to myself, you know what? I've studied a lot. I, I, I've earned some experience uh, in uh, past jobs, management as well. But I thought that I wanted to know more about the financial aspect of a business. Um, I was lucky enough to be approached by a partner in Ernst Young uh, that offered me to join uh, uh, a new thing called the Strategic Consultant Department of uh, EY Israel. Uh, and I did, and, you know, I, I kind of learned about the, both the Israeli and the U S markets, uh, doing what I did there. Um, whether it is, uh, uh, small businesses, startups, uh, big corporates, uh, government, uh, uh, offices that needed to know what, what to expect after 10, 20 years. Uh, into the future, or even on the next year. Um, what I took from there is actually which were most interest, interesting to me, uh, which businesses I uh, were uh, most attracted to, was most attracted, and the uh, uh, startups was was the thing. Um, I felt like this is where I was belonging. Um, and, uh, that's what got me into, uh, uh, geek time, which is the number one tech publication in Israel, uh, kind of like tech crunch, uh, crunch base was something that we uh, didn't really have back then. Um, and I joined them thinking about how do we elevate the fact that we have a lot of data and we make a business out of the data of the publication. So this was kind of like my first startup within a startup. Um, I was uh, running the business uh, uh, business analytics department over there, business intelligence. We grew from one person to four people and created a tech, uh, technology system, uh, uh, um, an AI system that can be uh, utilized by VCs. Uh, and again, I, I kind of dived into what the startup scene in Israel is all about. Um, because it doesn't matter if I know that I want to be working startups. It's more about which field I want to be working at. And with Geek Time's 
uh, uh, landscape, I could have chosen and see everything. Um, and that's where I stumbled into Bitcoin. Okay, so wait. So you worked at EY, part of a special team, and then you went into content creation and, and, and that gave you... So you had like a, a huge... Uh, exposure to the tech community and the high tech community in Israel is one of the most famous high tech communities in the world. Uh, definitely. And I'm not saying this because, you know, I grew up in Israel as a child, but, but, but the Israeli tech community, uh, totally, totally eclipse Silicon Valley. And I'm gonna get a lot of flack for saying it, but whatever, it's my, my opinion. <laughs> you don't like it. You can not listen to my show anymore. Um, but so you got that exposure and what people don't understand is that and I want to ask, I want to, I want to dive into this because I, I have a lot of Israeli entrepreneurs on the show and Israel very quickly became a leader in, in Bitcoin and crypto companies, crypto and Bitcoin uh, CEOs and leaders, conferences, foundations, uh, thoughts, le legality. A lot of it has been pioneered, uh, by the, the Israeli crypto community. Um, in fact, you know, some of my earliest friends, like Manny Rosenfeld, one of the first Bitcoiner I ever knew back in 2011, still around. Yeah. Um, some great, great, great people. But what I wanted to dive into, and maybe you can expand on this better than I, because you went through it. The Israeli mentality is that of survival. And the fact that you guys go through uh, a national service, you know, before you go to university, uh, and I know a lot of other countries do, but, but, you know, Israel doesn't, Israel takes its survival very seriously. I mean, it's the only country in the world that literally just cut off anyone from entering, uh, very early on because, yeah. Israel's survival is so important to her. So what's that mentality and how has that mentality allowed you and, and the rest of your fellow like uh, uh, co-entrepreneurs in Israel to, to, you know, uh, uh, excel, you know, how has that like going through that been able to, to help you? Yeah, I, 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 sh I share your feelings. Uh, I can say that I think. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, uh, meeting, entrepreneurs from all over the world kind of lets you uh, uh, see the different mindsets that uh, we all have. Um, and you do see a common denominator with the Israeli uh, way of thinking. And I don't think I've ever talked about this before, but I, I think that it's got to do with our past and the fact that um, the Israeli people were always prosecuted in, in a way. Uh, um, throughout the generations and uh, even now you're talking about survival and I think one of the uh, things that, that we, we don't even talk about this on our day to day but it's obvious to us is the fact that a lot we have a lot of enemies surrounding us and the only thing you the only way you can survive for such a long time is innovation <laughs> is to think ahead is to plan ahead is to strategize is to to see things before they happen and actually adjust yourself into this new mentality, new reality. Um, and you talked about the, uh, uh, the service, the, the, the time that uh, we all spend in the army uh, in between two to three years uh, uh, minimum, depending uh, uh, on many factors. And you see that I think a high percentage of Israeli entrepreneurs uh, went for this service and specifically came from the intelligence core, uh, myself included. And uh, I think there's something there 
kind of like a, a, a mentality that we grow into, but also we have free reign within the army time to see things, to uh, experience things that kind of sharpen our mind and sharpens our uh, uh, ideology. And more than that, our independence as, as people. And you gain a lot of leadership skills by being there, by uh, uh, having to do what needed and what's right um, to survive, if you will, um, to know more, to learn more, to, to, to advance to things that no one did before you within this role. Um, and even the hierarchy, you know, uh, at the age of 18, you, you joined this uh, army that, uh, you know, from, from childhood, you probably heard this before, but uh, my mom always said, Benny, you will not, you will never hold a gun. You will hold a flower, right? Because when you grow up, there will ne- it won't be any wars. Um, yeah, and then you, yeah, definitely. I think that uh, th- that's something that every uh, uh, Israeli mom and dad and every family here uh, uh, wishes for. Uh, we just we just had our Independence Day uh, uh, three days ago. And uh, we talked about this back then again and again. Um, we want peace. Uh, but at the same time, we need to be on edge until this happens. I, I don't know if this covered your uh, question. But, uh, Listen, like we're not going to cover this answer on, <laughs> on this show. It was more of like seeing where you where you kind of feel on this and i think i think i agree i know i agree and i know everyone agrees you know it's it's a tough position because you want security but at the same time uh you want peace so um and that has like created a survival you know and when you're when you're working and you're building something and you're saying to saying to yourself like i have nothing to lose then you you you're going to do a better job right like that's that's kind of ends up what happening and that's that's what i see interesting i don't know i don't know if we don't have uh, i never thought that i don't have anything to lose you know when when i when i do everything in life i do it the best i can uh and i think that uh, my my colleagues think the same uh, i don't know how to uh, phrase that uh but uh we don't think about our survival on our day-to-day, but it's in our blood. That's, that's basically the concept. The innovation should be there for us to keep uh, uh, living, for us to keep advancing, to advance the, the human race, but not only Israel by itself. I love that. Okay, so then how did you get into, into Bitcoin? What was your first iteration? And then, <laughs> and then how did you end up uh, meeting Galia and getting into Bancor? Um, it's, a, it's a funny story. My, my wife back then was my girlfriend. Um, she works at Apple and she came back home telling me that one of her uh, colleagues uh, talked to her about Bitcoin and that we probably should check it out. I was, it was a geek time back then. Um, I started researching with 
colleagues and really, really got deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole. Um, uh, I, until I understood what it's all about, uh, Bitcoin grew <laughs> and added one zero to its value. Yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, I went along and understood that there was not enough information about Bitcoin or crypto or blockchain uh, in the world. I usually, you know, you go ahead and look for uh, um, reports or some kind of a work that's being done. What is the market size or not only market cost of tokens, but what can you do with it? And who is nothing? I found nothing. And uh, we took it upon ourselves to actually build a report about the blockchain. It was 2017, uh, early, early year. Um, and we created the first, uh, as we know it, the first uh, uh, blockchain report um, that kind of covered what we understood back then about the industry and where it can be uh, um, in the years to come. And uh, that's what kind of got me involved with the Bitcoin and blockchain community here in Israel. Uh, one of the people that I interviewed for this report was Eyal Herzog, um, one of the founders of Bancor. And through our conversation, we understood that we have a lot in common and a lot of respect to one another. I'm talking about like uh, after two and a half hours just talking uh, in his office. After this, yeah. we went down for a cigarette. Uh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't smoke, but I, I was there with him. And he was like, Benny, <laughs> I think we should work together. Um, and there the story went on. What did, you, what did you think? Did you think that working in crypto would be like a risk? Actually, no. I felt like I didn't understand how the world is ignorant to this new technology. Um, I didn't think about this as a, as a risky move. I thought about it as a pioneer move because I understood that it's only a matter of time until the world understands and accepts this new technology. You know, you have to have been a little yeah. bit crazy though. <laughs> Never said I, I wasn't crazy. Um, it was, uh, I don't think, I didn't think about it as a risky move. I thought about it as a very, very natural move. Uh, you, you now know the story of how I kind of got myself, uh, from EY to geek time to, I, so it's kind of narrowed and narrowed and narrowed down to where I felt like I can bring myself to. So a uh, kind of, kind of where can I bring all of uh, my capabilities, uh, financial capabilities, management capabilities, uh, innovation, entrepreneur, everything uh, um, to a one to one place. And I think blockchain is exactly that, like finance and and, and innovation, and everything is coming together very very nicely. So you're working at Bancor, and then you decide to start your own project, and became a very big one. Before we get into that. Do you have any moments like growing up or in, in your life that you remember that you just can't explain like unexplained things that you sometimes think about and that affect, that affects your decision-making on a day-to-day -day basis? I love asking this question. Wow. 
You don't have to answer, right? You could take a minute, by the way. I will take a minute because it's a very good question. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's, it, seems, it seems like I'm talking about my family a lot in, in, in this uh, conversation. The, the answer is you think yes. That because, do you think that because uh, of the fact that we're home, we're focusing, like, uh, family is, like, always in our heads. Like, um, I see so many people that I never thought would be dads that are, like, <laughs> you know, being great dads now because they're stuck home. <laughs> People that literally never spent more than three, three days a week, a month at home. And, you know, we're married out of convenience, but now are home and they're, they're, so it's nice to see that with the family, but, but, you know, related to crypto or related to not crypto, like, yeah, tell me like family, like unexplained situation. Maybe met, you met someone and, and like, it was just kind of crazy coincidental that you had met that person. And, and, you know, now that person is so impactful in your life today. I think yeah, I think it's family, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this story uh, uh, undisclosed for now. Uh, I would say that this year, um, this past year, brought me into places I never thought I'll I'll, I'll be in uh, within the foreseeable future. Anyways, uh, one thing led to another. One meeting led to another meeting, and I find myself with, uh, in a way, world leaders. Um, um, talk to them, consulting to them. Um, it was a very odd and amazing experience. And it's all thanks to the people uh, you surround yourself with and the respect, the mutual respect that you have uh, to one another. I know that it's probably curious. Uh, you're curious right now to what the hell I'm talking about, but... <laughs> I would say yes. <laughs> so you basically gave me an answer that that was an unanswer. Okay. So it's all good. But but the, <laughs> the essence and the point of the story is there. So tell me about Liquid Apps and and uh how that how that got started. Uh Liquid EOS um is the starting point, yeah. Um it was interesting. It was interesting times. Uh uh came to Bancourt really dug into the technology, understood that, you know, Bancor was built on Ethereum back at the day. With all of the uh, capabilities, but also the limitations that Ethereum had and has until day, today. Um, got familiarized with EOS as the new frontier, new technology uh, with its pros and cons like, like Ethereum and decided that uh, we wanted to create something new. Uh, out of Israel, and uh, we created Liquidios. Uh, we, as uh, myself and uh, Tal, my co-founder and CTO, and created the block producer, which is like the miner of uh, EOS, the Israeli block producer. And I'm proud to say that we, that unlike in Ethereum, you need to be voted in uh, to go ahead and become one of the first 21 block producers, one of the first 21 miners, uh, they're the only one that mine. Um, and we were the top five. Okay, come on. This is so cool. This is the new BitPay card that I have in my hand, and I'm so excited to be finally having the new one that just came out. Now, guys, I've been using the BitPay card since 2016. Yeah, you heard that right. Way before I started Untold Stories, 
way before BitPay became a sponsor of mine. I've been using this card and it literally became a way for me to have a bank account uh, for many, many years as, as a lot of people in crypto need banking, need better banking. The BitPay card is chock full of the coolest features. It's got contactless pay, uh, better rates and limits, no fees to convert from Bitcoin right onto the card, added in chip security. I mean, it's sexy. It looks good. Unlike other cards, it's so easy to get. Just download the BitPay app on your phone, click the card icon, and you can do it right there. If you use the promo code CHARLIEJUNE20, your card is free. Remember, CHARLIEJUNE20. It's in the show notes. You can get a free card. So literally, just from listening to my show today, and make sure you actually listen, you can get a free card just by entering that code. So download the BitPay app, get the coolest card on the market, the best card on the market. I've been using it for over four years now. I know there are so many cards out there, but the BitPay brand is the oldest and longest running Bitcoin company in the world. I mean, that's who issues this card. This is the card you want to have. Remember, Charlie, June 20, download the BitPay app on iOS or Android to sign up for the new card. You're going to freaking love it. Interestingly enough, EOS is based off of EOS and Steam are basically the same, very same blockchains, you know, both founded by Darren Larimer with some more smart contract language built in for EOS. But essentially, uh, uh, they both use delegated proof of stake, DPoS. And I was one of the first block producers for it wasn't actually called block producers. It was called it's called witnesses in Steam. Yeah, it's the same thing. But I'm, I was a witness for the for the early for 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 Steam's early uh growth for two years. I was a wow. top 19 witness. It's a lot of work and it's a huge commitment. People don't realize being a block producer comes with an immense amount of moral and financial responsibility. Tell me about that because governance is so interesting, right? Like Bitcoin's governance is, is basically non-governance. So here you sure. have EOS that has these block producers and they're all, they're, they're, they're located all over the world. Um, and you're one of them. What is the business behind block producing? How much money is made you know, what of that do you keep and, and what of that is being spent on growth of EOS? Do you think that concept of of block producers that are basically like these immense, you know, ambassador companies for for the coin or the token, do you think that's a good model for governance? Have you seen any infighting? I mean, we've seen infighting. You've seen some craziness going on. Oof. Yeah, let's I know. It's a crazy question. <laughs> <laughs> it started, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, uh, it started off really, uh, you know, as naive as it can be. Um, you, there were no, no factions, uh, and you know, in the first day, what can you be measured by? Basically the technology, it's who you are, what you represent, are you reputable enough? And do you have what it takes to kind of grow the, uh, community, grow the technology. And that's what we did. Uh, uh, interestingly, on the first day of the launch of EOS, there was no tool with which you can vote for a block producer. I remember so, it all had to be done through command line. Exactly. So the first thing we did, even before the mainnet launch, I'm talking like a 24 hours kind of like a banding together uh, a tool, uh, a voting tool. And that's like the first contribution we did, uh, which uh, spiked us to the second place block producer, um, which was astonishing for a lot of people. And throughout this uh, year and a half uh, that we were there, they, we saw the faction being created. Um, 
you know, tribalism is not only uh, uh, in between chains, it's also uh, interchain uh, uh, tribalism, unfortunately. And uh, you saw the fact, you know, there is decentralization versus centralization uh, 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 conflict that people are talking about when, when they uh, uh, discuss EOS or Ethereum and what's more decentralized. But let me ask you a question. How do you feel about Ethereum and do you think it's decentralized? Do you know who's behind the nodes? So I have a, I have a, you know, what's great about Bitcoin and crypto is that um, it's still so new. And because, you know, guys like us were around uh, early and, and did some cool things, we can develop like, um, because it's so new, we can develop like almost like our own schools of thought and we could develop our own like theories and we could write mm -hmm. them down and we can hypothesize and we can, and these are novel theories and we could talk about them and debate them. So I have this theory that I created a few years ago and I call it the path to decentralization. And I talk about it very frequently on this show. Um, and that is, it's my belief. And actually I believe, and I, and, and not to take you know credit, but yeah, the SEC in the United States came out and said that, you know, all, all projects have three years to be centralized to decentralized. I don't know if you saw that in their new yeah. like safe Harbor thing. So I don't know how the sec with their very complicated formula came out with the fact that it's going to be a three year period to become decentralized. <laughs> but that concept that a project could start off centralized and eventually be more decentralized and create the mechanisms to prevent it becoming re-centralized uh, I believe that that is definitely possible and probable and honestly, the way a lot of projects should do it. So the question is like, how does one become on the path to decentralization? You have right. a project like Bitcoin that is always on that path to decentralization. Ethereum on that path to decentralization. However, my opinion is that when Ethereum gave up immutability for, um, it's not, what Ethereum did was it's, it's the, it, you know, when, when it came to the DAO, is it basically said, um, we are, uh, we are going to uh, lose immutability and the precedent of being able to roll back a blockchain. We're going to give that up for the sake of consensus, right. because the consensus, if the consensus votes for something, no matter what that something is, it needs to go through. Now, in hindsight, we saw that it actually wasn't consensus. It was like Vitalik and a bunch of friends or miners or whatever. <laughs> but you know, we don't neither here nor there. That's hearsay. I don't want to get into that debate. But that's my belief. So Ripple, never even on the path, not even on the road, yeah. you know, um, yeah. EOS on the path. EOS is on the path, but I, I fear that EOS is not moving away from its centralized roots fast enough. And that's my fear. I'm gonna I'm gonna share a concern with you. Um, I think that one of the things that I saw on EOS, it's the first time that you can actually put a face to a miner, right? You don't really know who's behind each and every node, but with EOS, you started to see flags next to the names of the nodes, and you started to connect dots. As an individual, now you could have you could see a geographic location of a specific node or where it says that it is, is placed in. And I think that conceptually, I agree with all you said. I think that uh, projects are on their way to decentralization. But I think conceptually, when you see many nodes, many miners 
from the same geographic location, it kind of takes you back a step uh, when you think about whether this uh, uh, project is decentralized enough. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, uh, in, in EOS it was uh, China versus the West in a way. That's how people conceive it right now. Um, I'm not saying whether it is decentralized or not. I'm just saying that this is an element which many thought is uh, uh, disturbing and disruptive, depending on where you stand on the decentralization. It's a very unfair. It's a very unfair like to say China versus the West because there's no verses here. In I fact, agree. if you start to create a versus, the whole thing dies. Exactly. So I would argue the opposite. I would argue that it's actually great that in the you know, in the beginning that half the block producers were the West and half were were in Asia. That's a great thing. You know why? Because here you have two uh, different people that have to come together with integrity for the common good. And very, very highly financially incentivized and socially incentivized to maintain that integrity. Tell me how that's a bad thing. It's, am it's an amazing thing. It's the only thing that blockchain can bring us to do. I have the best idea. Go ahead. And I rarely uh, in interrupt people anymore, so I apologize. <laughs> I'm getting better at it. It's okay. We need to develop. We need to develop a cryptocurrency where half the you know, but like, let's solve world peace in this way. Like, let's do block <laughs> producers and give every Arab country a block producer and give Israel one and give like, like, I don't know, like figure out a way to give like different communities, you know, in the different Arab cities or something or I, I, however you want to do in the most fair way possible, where like everyone is on an extreme, even playing field. You remove the security aspect out of it, right? It's, it's now financial. It's like SodaStream. Remember the SodaStream factory, how of everyone's course. working together and everything's great. And then the, the press, of course, comes out and, and starts fucking around with that. Yeah. Yeah. It ruined it, it, all. Ruined it all. Yeah. 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 People don't realize that SodaStream, the product that everyone buys here in the U.S. By the way, SodaStream is so popular here in the U.S. No one realizes that the factory, you have peoples of all different races and religions working together in harmony in, you know, like, like in the territories here or whatever. So, like, come on. Why can't we do more of that? We're tried, actually. We're tried. But that's a different topic. Uh, yeah, that's a very different I topic. I just want it to be. <laughs> it's okay. There is a way for collaboration through... Uh, uh, chains, through tokens, through crypto, I completely think that blockchain is the means for collaboration. That's what it allows more than anything, okay? Uh, collaboration between entities that don't need to trust one another in order to, to do things together. Uh, it's very gener generic, but there is a reason I put it that way. Because you can do mostly, you can create a company with something someone you don't know. It can be uh, uh, from... China, the U.S. doesn't matter, as long That's as he's, the best he's bringing, yeah, he's bringing the benefit. He's doing what he needs to be doing uh, as part of his job. He gets what he earned for. You know, that's what blockchain is all about. So uh, I agree with you. I think that people are uh, uh, putting a lot of effort into thinking about decentralization in the near future. I think it should be done as something that's like long-term, but it should be uh, driving towards it. You know, I always try to strive to become more decentralized uh, because at the end of the day, what I want to know as an end user or even a developer, if I'm using your technology, if the company dies tomorrow, 
is the technology still there or is it gone yes tomorrow? right um that that's my thought about the reasoning for decentralization in that aspect i know um so so how is how has eos evolved since then where are um, we today so one of the things that we saw on eos um uh, in the beginning it was basically free transactions everybody was happy developers came along uh started developing on it but uh a few months after we started we stumbled into a few scalability issues you know the the, the blockchain that put on his flag the fact that dapps are supposed to be here you know dapps are this is the blockchain for dapps but that you know there if you want to create facebook right now you would need a lot of memory a lot of storage uh in order to create something like that um block one the creator eos uh they, they they're going to create a social network called voice and for that they bought memory storage uh, uh state memory storage which is called ram on eos they bought 30 gigs approximately do you can you estimate the amount of dollars it cost them back then they paid no. eos about 30 30 million dollars worth it's a lot of money 30 million dollars for 30 gigabytes of memory storage um i don't know a lot of startups that can afford this pricing um before even having a product um and so that's what got us to think about the solution for this how can we um not necessarily as block producers can create a solution that not only solves storage but gives a a, a full on solution for developers developing on the blockchain whether it is eos or any other blockchain and that's what got us into liquid apps uh which is one of the it's most natural amazing, evolution yes 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 it's 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 one of the most amazing uh, uh, adventures i i ever had uh um till today uh, <laughs> and it started with storage but since then i can say that uh, uh we built a decentralized AWS if you will. Do you For, do you yeah. believe in plura- plurality of of coins? Do you believe like eventually we'll live in a multi coin universe like all the you know a few different cryptos that are kind of working together and they all do different things but different communities like them or do you think that we'll see just like one like just Bitcoin or just EOS or just whatever? I don't think we'll be seeing only one. No, I think that Okay. So- for for the end user, he will be seeing only one. That that's the difference between like this is what I want to uh, differentiate with. I okay, don't you think need to stop end, doing that. I I don't think I'm trying end, to huh? I, I was trying to ask user, a question but you like predated it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the end user should see anything. Okay? For me, end users do not need to know they're using the blockchain. Okay, most of the world is not technical. Uh if you can create a seamless dapp that on a backend uses how many tokens you want it to, to be using. 
uh, but allow the, the 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 end user to not see all of that. Like we're, it's it's a weird weird uh, reality where we are uh, uh, doing technical work that is inter- intertwined with, with financial work. Uh, but when you look at it from the end user perspective, he doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't care. Uh, they basically want to use your app, and that's it. And uh, I think this is where I see blockchain in that in that sense. So, how, but then how will it work? Because I understand, I understand how it would work if like it was just Bitcoin or just EOS or just Ethereum, mm-hmm. but in a in a multi-coin world, how will it be that people won't know the difference? Like they won't know what they're using. How will all these projects work together? Will it just all be backends? Will it all be backends? No. I think that, first of all, you can put frontend on the blockchain, but that's a fun uh, story for later. Uh, when you look at uh, blockchains as they are today, if you had a way a decentralized way to glue all of them together, allowing for transfer, seamless transfer of tokens from one chain to another in a uh, 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 very simple, very uh, distributed, decentralized, all of the, the Ds that you want to uh, uh, add here to make sure that everybody understands this. So when someone is opening his DAP store, there is no filter of on which chain this DAP is. The filters are as, as if you are using uh, uh, the Apple store, okay? Whether it's game, financial, blah, blah, blah. At the backend, the tokens that you will be using will be uh, 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 transferred to the other chain Allow yeah. you to use it. Could there be For this, like obviously a, you would need a universal account? Could there be like a stand? Uh, you think we could see a st- uh, uh, transfer system or uh, unmute myself? Do you think you we you think we'd see a um a con- like a standardized. Uh, a standardized adapter, if you will, like a standardized adapter for all these uh, blockchains, like a standardized way for them all to talk to each other. Or will that create like a choke point or almost like a, a, an attack vector? So the, the fun thing about... We're getting into the rabbit hole here, by the way. <laughs> that's fine, because I, I'm going I'm to pull you right out of it. Uh, I don't wait for someone to build something. We built it ourselves. Um, liquid apps is basically allowing you for this glue chain to be existing without being its own chain. Which is, I know it's probably the weirdest thing you've you've heard today. Um, And I told you before the call that I want a glass of whiskey, so that's probably it. Um, Yeah. what, What if I tell you that Let's take, hmm, let's take the Black Thursday, for example, okay? Uh, every token has plummeted back then, right? Uh, March yeah. 12. And we've seen that uh, the Oracle system was not entirely amazing. 
right? Uh, there was uh, the oracles failed for MakerDAO. Um, yeah, because they're, cent- they're centralized failure points. We always knew that. And oracles were just supposed to be like temporary stop gaps, dude. I remember. Right. <laughs> Dude, I remember literally have a conversation with someone. So when when Ethereum like first launched, I, a friend of mine created a proof of concept, right? And yeah. he he created a proof of concept. It actually worked really well. This was like in 2016 he launched this um, privately just for friends and family. And it still works actually. It's really cool. Really? And it's on Ethereum and can be built on any blockchain. But I want to I want to explain like why the cho- the choke point was the issue. Basically, what it did was you sent money to a smart contract. And if your, your airline flight got delayed or canceled, the smart contract would send you back the money. And if your flight didn't get canceled, the smart contract would keep the money. So it's flight insurance, simple, but it was, nice. it was all automated. So you wouldn't have to fight an insurance company. Beautiful, beautiful, oh. beautiful proof of concept, right? Oracle is the choke point. Right. Someone figured out a way to basically hack the website as a proof of concept. He was using like FlightAware or something to like, See if flights got canceled or right. whatever. And that became the, the choke point you hack. So while the blockchain is stronger than the Oracle, the Oracles are, ne- are just going to be data feeds. So how do you solve that? I mean, unless you're doing something like, unless you're allowing people to like bet on how many clouds in the sky and you literally have like, I mean, you'd have to do a decentralized mechanical Turk that no one has been able to do yet because you need mass scale for that. But you need to have like hundreds of thousands of people literally looking at the sky in real time and figure out a way to incentivize them to be honest I know we're really going down the rabbit hole here in order to make oracles work. I feel like every, everything you're, you're saying, I, I don't want to over uh, uh, talk about liquid apps here, but we have an oracle solution. We, no, we have the infrastructure for everybody to create his own oracle, allowing for the scale you just mentioned. Think okay, about so it. How, so, so anyone could become an oracle and then... And then basically, how do you know which ones are honest versus not? They have a financial uh, uh, incentive not to lie. Think about it. Uh, it works It works as a proof of stake mechanism. Uh, we call it a, a DAP service provider, DSPs. Any DSP can uh, utilize any one of the DAP network services, one of which Oracle service. So you're basically a node running your own oracle the dap will tell me which uh, feeds should i listen to and the dap can be its own oracle and there are infinite amount of oracles you can connect that way by staking to them everyone you stake to can give you a feed you stake to me twice i can give you another feed um Let's let's think about price. Uh, sorry, uh, token token uh, uh, price for a second. Price feeds. Um, if I have twenty five oracles, and I'm an oracle myself, and I'm comparing in between the results, and I have an algorithm that tells me if this happens, I approve it. If it, if some if there is a lot of uh, different difference between differences between these uh, 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 oracles. I don't accept the answer, etc., etc., etc. You can obviously do and customize your algorithm as you see fit. Basically, you have an infinite amount of oracles that are that you can check whether they're honest or not. 
you need only one liar in order to tell the truth. You need them to collude in order to know if they're lying because you will not lie to yourself. And you're an oracle as well. Now, now you get to tell me if I'm right or wrong. No, so you're right. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. So you would have to, it works. You need a lot of people. You need a lot of oracles. Um, and um, I'm going to surprise you. It really depends. It depends on your depth. Okay, so what if, let's just say, let's use my example of the, of the, of the airline flight, right? How does that work? Does, so am I the, so do I pull in the feed and then I'm the Oracle? So I'm guaranteeing that I'm the one who's going to be like honest and I'm double checking that data or do I have to like find out somehow that the flight actually didn't get canceled and you know, like how does that work? So, so, so you get a feed from a website, the Oracle, the second Oracle will get another feed from another website. The owner of the DAP will get the third feed from the third website. Um, you can actually demand, as the DAP developer, you can demand collateral from these oracles, depending on the amounts, the stakes that we're talking about for each and every transaction of the oracle. So this allows you, as the DAP developer, to control and kind of like tune the the decentralization or the trust level it thinks it needs for this specific transaction for let's say a small transaction or a small uh, 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 price for a flight, like, uh, I don't know, $20 flight. All right. It will need less Oracle than a $900 flight because the stakes are lower. You get what I mean? Yeah. So I completely get it. I see, I see uh, decentralization as a, a vector. It's, 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 not, it's not a one thing. It really depends on your needs as a dApp developer, your needs as a user, whether you need, uh, if you're a bank, that's a dog. Uh, if you're a bank. Yeah, that's my. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a bank, you would need 100% assurances uh, and complete decentralization and trust, trustlessness, of course. Um, and you will need as many uh, oracles as, as you can have. But if you are as, I always give the example of a Super Mario game. Yeah. You don't need as many oracles. You would be okay with two for redundancy. Because there are not a lot of stakes in the line here. Um, so it, it depends on your needs. And that's a solution that we currently have on EOS and all of EOS chains. And uh, soon um, on other chains, which is the interesting, interesting part. Uh, yeah, you talked about multi-chain before and how can we integrate all of these chains together. And I started talking about the, 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 the Oracle issue that uh, happened on Ethereum. And... We, you probably know that, knew it from, you know, long, long ago. That, yeah, it's a, it's a failed, it, it, it was bound to fail at some point, this Oracle yeah. solution on Ethereum. But I'm going to say something that I don't know if you agree with or not, but what if we see blockchains as ledgers only? What if we look at this congestion uh, uh, issue and say 
if you look at public chains versus decentralization and you understand that off public chain doesn't mean that you don't have decentralization let's look at ipfs for example ipfs is decentralized but is not on a public chain right you have a proof that nothing had been altered with everything is uh, 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 legit as and as it was when you saved it in the file system and what we did was actually combining the two things that i just discussed um what if you take MakerDAO tomorrow morning and you put it on a private chain, a private chain that can transmit all of its transactions to the main Ethereum chain. It's connected to the Ethereum chain, so you can move tokens from the Ethereum chain and the private chain. You can audit as a user, as a developer, you can audit everything that's happening on this private chain yeah. because it stores all of the history on the Ethereum mainnet using an IPFS hash. Sorry if I got too technical for a second. And this will allow you to actually use MakerDAO without MakerDAO ever uh, uh, taking its tokens off of the Ethereum mainnet, but actually taking away all of the uh, uh, congestion issues that can occur. So all these like different blockchains almost like working together in a, in a, in a way. So that, that, that would be like awesome. That would be awesome. I, I, I completely agree. And this is basically our vision. And this you know, private, this pri- I, I, let me just say, the, the, the private chain, we call it a liquid chain. And that's a technology that already exists today. We're um, very new, actually, a month, a month old. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you know, you talk about it being a month old. Um, six months from now, will you look back at, at these days and, like, say to yourself, those were, you know, successful days, and I'm happy that. I almost was like stuck home during those days. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I think that uh, it, it, these, these are days that you kind of look at what you do and understand whether it's m- as meaningful as you would want it to be. Uh, do you do what you want to do? You know, you get up in the yeah. morning. Most people are right now in their houses and not everybody are built for working from home. So it's a a lot harder to wake up if you don't like what you do. If you, you know, if you don't really want to do it. Uh, So you work less maybe. Um, And uh, I'm happy to say that uh, I wake up still with a smile on my face. Um, That's even if I can get myself to go to sleep without overthinking anything everything yeah. <laughs> over and over and how how am i going to do this tomorrow um so that's about benny myself. thank you 
thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate the time um, getting into these complex uh, discussions with me and, and explaining to people, you know, how really does block producing work and, and how some of these other things work. Um, I wish you the best of luck with Liquid Apps, and I can't wait to have you on the show again in a few months to see what you've been up to. Thank you so much, man. Can I slid in one more sentence? Uh, it slid in five more sentences. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to share that uh, when uh, COVID-19 kind of uh, took us all by surprise. And I felt that I had to do something about this. Um, both me and my partner, Tal, thought that this is the time to prove that blockchain can help uh, the world. So we created, I, I mentioned liquid chains. We created a liquid chain that its sole purpose is uh, devoted to COVID-19. It's called COVAX chain. It's already operational and live. And it serves three purposes. One, allow for processing power for multiple entities. We're uh, in contact with labs all over the world that uh, will utilize this uh, chain. Two is uh, allowing for people, uh, hopefully in the future, uh, when the community creates this to uh, enter their data and just data about COVID-19 from all over the world. Uh, so three will happen, which is people will be able to create models, AI models on top of this chain uh, uh, to predict what's going to happen uh, in different countries around the world. How can leaders uh, do better job than they do today? Um, so I think this kind of, puts everything in perspective and uh, it relates to what you just uh, mentioned and what will I think six months from today. Yeah. This Amazing. was really important. Yeah. How can everyone follow you? What's your Twitter account? It's uh, my full name, Benny Hakak, um, at Benny Hakak on Twitter. Wonderful. Thank you again. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Untold Stories are released every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 a.m. EST on untoldstories.com, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Untold Stories is produced by Jason Yanowitz, Michael E. Polito, Reed Hannaford, and Riley Silbert of BlockWorks Group. Our account executives are Gina DeFelice and Julie Muroff. Our content is written by Kathy Zolo, Ronnie Tishner, and Scott Offer. Special thanks to Wayne Dallaire from Jump Dog Audio Productions. And of course, I'm your host, Charlie Shrem. You can follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Shrem, to continue the conversation. Send me some messages, feedback, or anything you want to say. And remember, please give some love to my sponsors, and I'll see you next week. Remember, strength in numbers and information is power.